Hello, and welcome to Shelf Confidence, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association that focuses on trends and innovation in the food retail industry. I'm Liz Kemery, your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sandy Brown, who is Executive Vice President of Brown's Superstores. Brown's owns and operates 10 shop rates and two fresh grocers in the Philadelphia area. They are a PFMA sponsor and member, and President and CEO Jeff Brown is a past president of the PFMA Board of Directors. There are no lack of amazing initiatives coming out of the Browns family, but today Sandy and I will be talking specifically about their recent collaboration with other community partners to bring mobile vaccination units to two Philadelphia stores. It's great to have you here today, Sandy. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Are you ready to get started? Sure. So my first question is, you know, as a business, you guys have a great and unique mission. It's about bringing joy to the people you serve. So how do you do that? Well, that's a loaded question. So we do it in a number of different ways. Uh, We originally created the mission when we wanted to express a feeling that we all need to be there for each other, whether it's bringing joy to the lives of our customers bringing joy to the lives of our associates, that basically we're a family. So that was what initially started it. But as we began to get more entrenched with our communities, we found that there were so many needs that they had. It wasn't just about offering the foods of their heritage or you know the foods for that particular population because we vary what we offer in our merchandising for each store based on its neighborhood and its demographics. That's one of the key things that really started this. But the more important thing that we found over time is the different needs of some of our urban communities, whether it was opening a credit union because they didn't have any banks that offered free services, whether it was opening a clinic in a store because they didn't have any doctors or places to go for medical treatment, and added to the fact that this kept kept people out of the hospitals, which is very costly to the system. Um, But more recently, we got into the business of hiring people who were previously incarcerated. And and that has been a big impact for the communities where we do business in. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you touched on some things that I was hoping to chat about too. You have a lot of your stores in food deserts, and so you are, you know, first and foremost, providing people in those neighborhoods with food, access to food that they wouldn't normally receive, and then many, many other services, as as you started to touch on. So why is it so important for you to be so entrenched and ingrained in your community, in the neighborhoods that you work with? Jeff and I grew up in families where, you know, social impact was very important and it wasn't just about us, but helping others. And we've tried to pass that on to our children. But I think you work in certain communities. And so let's take food desert communities, for example. The fact that people could live a much shorter life in an urban area because they didn't have the basics and the benefits that we all enjoyed in a suburban area. You know, you could drive three miles and hit seven different supermarkets where I was raising my children, but that was not the case in the city where we had started to open supermarkets. So the impact of that was very important to Jeff. Of course, wholeheartedly agree. 
So we really, you know, focused on opening these supermarkets that were offering fresh, healthy and affordable food to the communities that that just didn't have that. Having grown up in a, in a similar situation as you, my dad worked for Harrisburg City School Districts, but of course we were in the suburbs outside of that. So different than Philly, but still gives you a glance at the difference in the neighborhoods that you can live in. I mean, we were in a Colonial Park area where, like you said, you know, you could spit in either direction and hit a grocery store or department store. And the people that he worked with every day didn't have that access. So important and so glad that there's people that want to correct that, such as you and Jeff. That's great. When the pandemic started, Browns, you were, your stores were on top of mitigation efforts. You guys knew that it was important to start masking protocols, social distancing, symptom checks very early on. Can you talk about why you felt it was important to stay ahead of those efforts and how that has evolved as the pandemics continued? Sure. So we obviously, you know, we never closed. People would say to me, the world is so different for me because I haven't left my house for nine months or whatever it might be. And I'm like, well, I haven't stayed home because we needed to have our supermarkets open so that we could provide food and the needs that people had in the communities. So right out of the gate, as soon as this started to happen, we brought in masks and started having our employees all wear masks. And probably the next really big thing we did was we put the plexiglass on of the cashiers, for example, and in our delis, we closed any areas that were seating areas or also places that people would congregate. We had social distancing things on the floor we were monitoring all the time how many people were coming in the building. So basically, anything that was a CDC guideline or a city of Philadelphia guideline, because, you know, they varied whether you were in the city or in the state, we followed. And Wakefern Food Corporation, that's our um, supplier, and they also provide merchandising services, advertising. They're very big part of what we do. They gave a lot of guidance and assistance with executing all of this because it wasn't just our shop rights. It was everybody's shop right and fresh grocer and all the different banners. But we were very quick to do everything we could to protect those associates, temperature checking, all of that. And of course, the last six months, we've seen a lot of changes. So I think we all thought we could breathe a sigh of relief this spring and summer and and start to feel a little safer. And then, of course, Delta hit and things have changed again. So where are you today with that? What what would people see in your stores if they walk in today? We're we're masking again. Um, We never removed things just in case, you know, to be on the safe side. So we have all our employees in masks before they said they want you to be in masks. We had gone Mm -hmm. back already. We're back doing all of the guidelines per CDC and the requirements here in the city. And last week or, or maybe two weeks ago, you recently announced that your ShopRite stores, two of your ShopRite locations are now offering vaccines through mobile vaccination units, which is fantastic. And it, the timing was right on because I think it was right before we started seeing the CDC in the city of Philadelphia start saying, you know, let's we need to bring some of those mitigation efforts back. So right now you have these these two weekly vaccination units that offer anybody a vaccine with no registration and no fees required. What was it that pushed you at that point to provide that service? 
So I've been trying to get vaccines at my stores since the vaccines were first released. And it hasn't been easy because initially I found someone to provide the vaccines because I didn't really want it to fall on the store because they were busy enough as it was. So I found someone that was willing to come into our community rooms, administer the vaccines, keep an eye on the people, you know, do all of the protocols that are necessary. But then I couldn't get the actual vaccine. So everyone was speaking about how there were these communities with the lowest percentages of immunizations on COVID where I did business, but nobody really was able to get us to where we needed to be that we could be administering these vaccines. So there were some other ShopRite members and other places that offered to help us because my number one goal was to start getting my employees vaccinated. Not everybody was interested, and that's a whole debate for another time. But the people that wanted vaccines, we right away were trying to send them to other places that they could get vaccinated. And initially, Jeff and I were waiting to be vaccinated because I thought I'd be able to get vaccines in our stores. And I wanted us to go in as like, we're getting vaccinated, come join us. But as the beginning of April hit and we still weren't vaccinated, we actually had to go to another ShopRite member in New Jersey to get vaccines. It's oh, wow. just really difficult in the city. Finally, the city of Philadelphia, and I had signed up on all kinds of, they had sites where you could go in and register your business that you wanted to have vaccines given to people. So I wanted to vaccinate my employees which by this point, there they were a lot of them had been vaccinated, but there were still all these communities that are showing very low vaccination rates, such as Southwest Philly, where my Island Avenue store is. The ShopRite of Island Avenue is one of the locations that Browns is offering the vaccines every week. And then ShopRite of Parkside, West Philadelphia. So those two communities near Eastwick, And then up by the Parkside community, they had very low percentages of people being vaccinated. So we've been predominantly trying to focus on the communities. So you talked a little bit about why you chose the Island Avenue and Parkside stores. What is it that makes it different getting a vaccine at one of these locations versus having to schedule it someplace else? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people didn't want to go out of their communities to get the vaccine. They didn't want to go wait in a line in Center City or, you know, head over to Leacora Center. They wanted it where it was close by. So that was one thing that I think was important. But more importantly, is being there every week, them knowing, oh, that vaccination place is there every week. So I forgot last week, but I can go this Wednesday. So, and you know, where people were having one pop into a location for a day, by the time you would communicate it out to everybody, it was over. So I think having it there this week after week is is also very important. Yeah, I would agree. And and which days are you at which location? Island Avenue is Wednesdays. Wednesdays at Parkside. Yeah. Fridays. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and how yeah. long do you plan on doing that? Do you know yet? Or is it just to kind of see how things pan out? Yeah, 
Um, and one thing I do want to mention about this, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do this without the support of the local landlords. So in Parkside, the Goldenberg Group, they are the ones that are, and they have been amazing. They made flyers because they're getting some really good response in Parkside. Oh, good. Also, we placed the like right on 52nd Street so people can see it. And then in Island Avenue, it's Onyx Properties, and they've been helping us down there. It's there for a total of eight weeks. The first first four weeks, you would get your first dose, and then you can come back to the same location and get your second dose. So that's the plan. Okay, great. And what is it that you're hearing from the community or even that, you know, these other partners that you're working with, what did they heard about? Are people interested, but they just couldn't get there? Are there concerns with the vaccine still that you guys have been able to sort of debunk? Or, you know, what kind of conversations have you guys been having with the people in these neighborhoods? The communication that it's there and that it's no appointment necessary, you just walk up. That's been the main conversations. I think the people that we are communicating with are people that just did not previously have access one thing that we really do need to do a little more work on is getting the word out, particularly in Southwest where the, where the Eastwick community is. Okay, great. For somebody that's my age in my location to, you know, jump onto the computer in April or May and search for the closest site where there's availability. It wasn't that difficult, but even for my dad, who is almost 70, he's like, I don't, I don't go on a computer. I mean, he has access to one. Some people don't even have access to a computer, but he's like, I don't even go on there to, to do much. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't understand how to navigate these sites or I can't get to it fast enough or whatever. So uh, it's such a, I think such a huge deal and a big relief to people to just, n- to be able to forego all of that and just walk up and get it. So that's fantastic. And I think initially, you know, everybody was rushing and trying to get to it. And the people that were struggling, like you're talking about with your dad, they sort of like couldn't manage it. And then things went down. So I think they sort of felt like, okay, it's it's okay that I didn't get it. But now as it's been surging up again and the Delta variant and the conversation of more variants, I think that's starting to get people to come out again to do this. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And there have been so many stories and campaigns out there about the impact of COVID-19 and why we should be vaccinated. I was recently in Baltimore and they've started a great social campaign about some of the myths and more in a lighthearted way, I guess, but you know some of the myths that are out there and why you should really still get vaccinated. And unfortunately, we've had lots of family and friends impacted in our family who have had some pretty serious hospitalizations and things. So, you know, for me, it it was, we're getting vaccinated as soon as we can. When my kids are eligible, they're going to get vaccinated. Yeah. But in your experience for people who who are not there yet, what have you sort of seen as that light switch moment where they they all of a sudden they're like, okay, now this makes sense. I need to get it done. Yeah, I think as people have seen that more people are getting vaccinated, they're coming out. I mean, there's going to always be people that are just, they don't want to put it into their body or whatever the reasons might be. And and I have to, you know, my, for myself, I wasn't always so big on getting all these vaccinations. I have a girlfriend of mine is a doctor and she said, did you get the shingle shot? And I'm like, No. (laughs) And she's like, you have to get that vaccination. If you get shingles, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I I heard a statistic from one, a doctor friend of mine the other day on a board call that I was on. And he said that 99% 
of the people that are ending up in the hospitals now with COVID are not vaccinated. I think that people are hearing the data and the information that this is important and it's something that we need to do. And I think they do need to build more information around the of how the people that are unvaccinated create more risk for all of us. Right. And I think that's something that hasn't, you know, been made clear enough out there. And it is working because the main point of getting this vaccine is just like the flu vaccine. You get it. You don't end up in the hospital. You, you might get sick or you might get some symptoms, but you're fine. You know, you recover. So that's also the other thing that has been clear is even vaccinated people, if they get, you know, if they end up getting COVID, they they're fine. Yeah, very true. What is it that you want to accomplish through this effort? You have eight weeks of weekly ongoing mobile vaccination units at your two stores. What do you want to see come out of that? Obviously, the first goal would be to get more people in the communities vaccinated. I think what I'm going to probably do next, I'm going to have start having, you know, because it's getting closer to the end of the eight weeks, is having conversations with the health department, because that's who's doing this, the city of Philadelphia's health department. They're the ones that are bringing the mobile unit each week and doing the vaccinations, is to have conversations with them about where do we go next? Do we continue it in this spot, especially like in Parkside, where, you know, it used to be, it's not hundreds of people coming every time now. Now, if you vaccinate, say, 25, 30 people on one of the days, that's considered great. Sometimes, like in Island Avenue, we might only vaccinate three or four people. That's very weak. So maybe that's still a community we need to stay in and get more communication out there that we're there. So these are the conversations we'll have next. But I really think we need to expand this effort that there might be other grocery retailers. And it's kind of crazy. People trust their grocery store. You know, they really do. They trust us for a lot of things. And we've seen that through ShopRite over a lot of items, especially the fact that they'll give us all their information. Because if there is a recall or something like that, we're able to contact them and say, you bought this a month ago, make sure you throw it out or just come back We'll give you a new one, whatever it might be. So I've run mammogram screening units at my stores. And you would not believe the people that come out to get mammogram screenings there. I think they have a lot of trust. So if there's other retailers that would be willing to do this at their stores, I think that's something that would be really beneficial to communities. Yeah. And again, again, I think it's that trust and that accessibility. I mean, just to have that right within walking distance of where you live is such a fantastic service. That's great. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't talk about today? You know, I think keeping keeping our customers informed um, and our communities informed about what's happening. You know, there's still a lot of problems getting some items. Everything has not gone back perfectly. And I think we're seeing that originally the first place you saw that was in the supermarkets with things like paper towels and toilet paper. You know, everybody was crazy because they couldn't get it. Well, it's sort of trickled down to other types of supply items now that you can't get building things. There's still products out there in the supermarket that are not as readily available. But I think the next biggest thing that we've been impacted with is just help 
And I think this is across so many different industries. You go to the store and you can't understand why you have so many lanes, but there's no cashiers to check you out. We can't find cashiers. Nobody wants to work. I think just really patience. People have to, even though it has been a long period of time with COVID, I think a lot of us have lost our patience for things. And, you know, I'll go in a restaurant and you have to wait. They just, yeah. they're slow because they don't have enough help. Um, so just, you know, being patient, it's, it's fine. I, I can wait. Uh, yes. Patience okay. is, is absolutely necessary. And, and hopefully people can still find that and be patient and kind as we continue yeah. to battle this. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people just don't realize, you know, what's impacting, for example, your grocery stores. You know, I come in here all the time. I buy my food. They're not really thinking about it as from a business sense. They're just there to get their stuff. I don't think they don't realize exactly what's impacting us. We don't want to have people wait in line for anything. I want to be able to have everything they want right at the tips of their fingers. So we have expanded more into more prepared foods because we see as this is happening, they might not be event, you know, venturing out to restaurants as much. So mm-hmm. we want to be more prepared this, this go around on, on a surge. And before we close up today, I want to make sure too, since we're talking about the, the mobile vaccination units primarily, you guys started those in like mid-August and we, you talked about eight weeks out. So what would be the time frame then that you would close up those vaccines? Well, assuming we don't extend that time period, I think the last date is September 30th and October 1st, you know, somewhere in that vicinity, that whatever those last Wednesday and Fridays are. Okay, great. And to, I'm sure, keep an eye on what else Browns might be offering, or if you do decide to extend those timelines or take it to a different shop rate store, we'll keep yeah. an eye out for that. Yeah, we have um, our website is brownschefsmarket.com and it's all with the S's on there, brownsandchefsmarket.com. And we'll be posting on there as far as, you know, where those units will be located. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You guys do great things for the community, for the city of Philadelphia. And it's just such a nice thing to be able to know that this process, you're making it easy for people so they can get there, they can be protected, and hopefully we can all move forward. Agreed. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you uh, talking about this with me. It's so important. Absolutely. Thank you. Tune in in two weeks when I chat with Seth Weaver of Ken Weaver Meats Incorporated about product demand and trends as people spend more time at home. Thanks so much for listening.